We begin with the letter A. A is for... M is for murder. E is for... Danger! And, uh... Dodge. With... Monster. Help! Love me and be... Please! Help! Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another exciting episode of the Is4 podcast. I am your host, Monster. With me tonight, the lovely Danger. Please say hello, Danger. Hello, Danger. And if you listen real carefully in the background, you'll hear the screams of thousands of 14-year-old kids. Because tonight, we are discussing T is for Total Request Live, better known as TRL, the fantastic mtv series now danger please tell me you used to watch trl i don't want to say religiously but yeah i watched my i watched my fair share of it i mean it was what was playing when i got it from school that was the thing it was pretty much for a certain age group it was came home from school and you went straight to the tv you turned on mtv to see what the top 10 videos were going to be and TRL was one of the first shows where you kind of felt like, I I don't want to say that you were like part of it, because even if you didn't vote, you still sort of felt like, you know, oh man, I can't believe this one is number three. It should be number one. You know, it was like, even if you didn't vote, you felt like you were a part of it. I never voted. Never. Really? Never. Not once. So I have a a funny story about that. We'll we'll get to it when it comes up, because I... I did try, but um, it was before I actually understood what was going on, I guess. <laughs> before you understood that the record industry controlled all of it? Ooh. Well, yes, yes. Um, and also, uh, I did not realize it was going to be a top 10 show where whatever was the most popular thing would win. When it first came on, I thought it was like a radio station where you just kind of called in what you wanted. And after about three or four episodes of trying to see a 311 video. I gave up on that. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember them being very friendly to 311 on that show. Actually, actually, yes. 311 was on there a few times. Um, not like corn. <laughs> no, no, not like corn, not like Limp Biscuit. God, no. We'll get into all that. All right. In a minute. All right. Take it away. So for anybody that is unfamiliar, like, If you're not in this age demographic of like 30 to 35, Total Request Live, or or better known as TRL, was a show on MTV. It debuted in 1998, and essentially what it was, was it was a top 10 countdown show. I've heard it referred to as like the millennial version of American Bandstand or Soul Train, where it was basically... I can see that. Yeah, it was basically the modern version of the top 10 countdown but with a component of interactivity because you could actually vote for what you wanted when it first came out you could vote via phone or online and 1998 you know this is kind of in the infancy stages of the internet and stuff this is way before social media and that was something that some people were talking about when discussing drl is that before you could you know, check Twitter or Instagram to see what your favorite celebrity or musical artist was eating for breakfast or vacationing, you would turn on TRL because they would give you the updates. And I don't know if it stems from some of that in TRL or from TRL, 
into now, like, I don't give a shit what my favorite celebrity is eating for breakfast. And, and you're absolutely right. It's just this, you know, constant output of what these celebrities are doing. And I think it's awful. But I do think it probably started, or I don't want to say started, but, you know, evolved from the TRL where they would have people on. And it was always funny to me to see them have corn uh, and Britney Spears on or corn mm-hmm. and Backstreet Boys on because it was very conflicting things. And later I found out that the friends I had that were listening to corn that were not admitting they were listening to Backstreet Boys were the entire time. But, you know, I think like part of that was fun for me to see, you know, these people that I, that I listened to and like, I mean, everybody in our age group, everybody will deny it at some point, but they all loved Limp Biscuit. They did. Everybody did. But, you know, I watched it to be like, okay, cool, Limp Biscuit's on, or Corn's on, and let's get to the next video. And that's all I really wanted to see, because really for me, I grew up in a house where MTV was not a thing that was liked a whole lot. And so sure. I would pretty much watch it before, you know, mom and dad got home. You know, well, I'd squeeze I, in that little bit, that little nugget of yeah. MTV. Well, I, I'll straight up say I am in the uh, category of people who like Limp Biscuit unironically. I always have. They've always been top five, top ten favorite bands for me. There's just something magical about Wes and Fred and, and all that. Well, and, well, now now I can you know fully admit, because I have no shame anymore, um, <laughs> I, I like $3 Bill. Y'all. <laughs> I like I I honestly, other than results may vary because Wes Borland's not there and it's kind of a weird Fred Durst experimental album. I, there's not a Limp Biscuit album I dislike. Even that one, there's a couple songs I can appreciate. So but again, for people that maybe don't fit this demographic and never actually saw URL, it was like the wild, wild west. It was because you would literally I mean there's never been anything like it before or since where you would see, like you said, Christina Aguilera, Corn, Backstreet Boys, Kid Rock, all in the same, like, back-to-back. And it was like this crazy mashup of artists that you you would never hear on the radio, on the same radio station. You would never see them uh, in concert together. But here was this, they were all these genres were so massive all at the same time that, yeah, I mean, it was totally normal to see Eminem, Kelly Clarkson, Horn, Limp Biscuit all on the same top 10 list on any given afternoon. Well, this is when Eminem was, you know, really coming out, you know, the whole Slim Shady deal. That was all right. in that 1998. And I have this this working theory that, Really, 98 to about 2002, 90% of pop culture was garbage. There was just this constant output for more. And it has, seems to happen every, I don't know, 20 years where we get this like block of time where it's just mm-hmm. all the crap. There was a ton of great stuff that came out there. So maybe 70%. So we'll give it, you know, that, that, that little bit, that little bit more. You know, I just think there was a lot of crap that came out then. There's a lot of great things. But, 1998 was a crazy pivotal year for pop culture and us as a culture in itself, just because, you know, if you look at it, it was when not only TRL was, you know, 
blasting to the top of everybody's right. TV watching. And then you had also at the top of everybody's TV was a uh, uh, old, uh, old Jerry Springer. True, true. And it was it was just this like wild west of TV, really. And and for me, especially when it comes to the music, again, you know, I, I threw out the Limp Bizkit thing. For me, the late '90s, early 2000s was like peak my jam because that was when <laughs> new metal was taken off. New metal was everywhere, and yeah. I mean, I I liked my fair share of new metal. I did. I still do. I mean, I mean, it's... my favorite band is Three Eleven, which anybody who's listened to this more than once knows. Um, yes. And and they had you know they were popping off pretty big in the in the early the you know that mid to late nineties time as well. Um, wasn't which, it wasn't it nineteen ninety eight where Transistor came out? Uh, ninety seven. Okay, so it came out ninety seven, and I got a hold of it in ninety eight. I feel like it was around mm-hmm. that time. And Transistor to me is like a fantastic album. I love that album. Right. And, and it may be because it you know was a time capsule within a time of my life but i love that album I, I still do and so when sound system came out which was in 1999 uh they had the single come original that got a little bit popular and that that video was on trl i bet it never got past you know the top like you know number eight or number nine or something but i know it was there it, it made it i'm i'm pretty positive it made and if you want to see a time capsule of what 1999 looked like, go back and watch the come original video by 311. I've, I, I've seen it. It's yeah. yeah. Half pipes, Jinko jeans, white dudes with dreadlocks. It is as 1999 as you can get. Oh, sure. Jinkos. Jinkos. Oh, God, I wore so many. Loved them. You know, I to justify to my parents that Jinkos were a great safe choice something that I should have worn was because not only were they a stylish pair of clothing, a stylish pair of pants, but (laughs) in the winter, the air would get trapped inside and the air would warm inside of the pant legs, thus keeping my legs warm in the winter time. I don't, I I, I don't know why I thought this was a good thing. So I believe we have been talking for somewhere in the 10 to 15 minute range. Yeah. I think we have talked about TRL for about nine seconds. So <laughs> let me get back onto that for just a second. All uh, right. All right. Fine. <laughs> if you must. So it, it, it aired September 14th, 1998, and it actually had its three hour finale, November 16th, 2000. Damn, now, it ran that I don't long. Think Yes. And okay. See, I had the same reaction. I didn't think it went on that long, but I think it was because I graduated high school in 2004. Yeah. Which, when, when did you graduate? 2004. Okay. It, it should have been 2003, but I really liked eighth grade. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think Sarge graduated in 87. So I think around like 2004, 2005 is when I sort of started to kind of Okay, like yeah, go into life outside of the TV. Yeah, exactly, exactly. For the people of you that have you know lived under a rock, or you're just not part of this thirty to thirty five year old demographic like us dorks are, the way this show works, I'm I'm thirty six. So am I. So was I too old for TRL? Oh no no no! Oh. I'm just I'm just saying like 
30 to 40. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you want. You're, you're never too old for watching music videos get less and less time. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. They used to show, oh, hold on. I'll get to it. All right. All right. Okay. So the, the way this show came about was they actually took a couple of MTV shows from earlier and kind of meshed them together. There was a show called Dial MTV, which this aired from 86 to 96. And it was literally a call-in request show. More like a radio show like you thought it was. Exactly, exactly. But then in 1997, they brought the show. It was just called Total Request. It wasn't TRL yet, just called Total Request. Carson Daly was hired to host it. And it was basically the exact same thing as Dial MTV. But it was just Carson Daly sitting alone in a quiet studio, just basically reading, answering machine messages, more or less. Basically the opposite of what TRL became. Yes. There was also another show called MTV Live, which was the other half of TRL. It was a little more energetic. They had live performances, but there wasn't as many music videos. It was more... Tonight on the show, we have such and such performing live and, and that kind of thing. So Total Request Live sort of just knocked Mesh. those two ideas together. So in the fall of 1998, the uh, producers over at MTV basically put the two shows together and they created this fan-controlled countdown um, and they changed the name from Total Request into Total Request Live. And then obviously after a few months, Total Request Live got shortened to TRL, and yeah. that's kind of how it's been known ever since. Yeah. The original show host was Carson Daly. Most people know him now for his own talk show, his late night talk show that he had. But for us in the 90s and the early 2000s, he was the TRL guy. It was TRL. Which have yeah. you ever watched his, his late night show? I've seen a few episodes. 311's performed on it a couple times. He's he's a very chill dude. He seems like a real nice guy. Like I, yep. I would see why he would get tapped for that kind of a late night show. Which he uh, the the late night show that he has now. I caught the one that was there before that it kind of was birthed out of, uh-huh. and I don't know if they put a stop to it. They mean the producers or or whoever, whatever channel it was coming on. But he would talk so much shit about MTV and TRL on a regular basis. It was always like a a comment like, now I'm on a show that gets to show music videos. The whole thing. <laughs> and <laughs> it was just, it, it was obviously a stab. If you didn't know, then you were just right. kind of out of it. But it was obviously a stab. So, Right. So, so to your point, um, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, was there was this big boom of I don't want to say new genres of music, but kind of a new take on a lot of genres. Like you've always had singing groups, but this was the beginning of the boy band. You had like female solo artists, but this was kind of like the beginning of the pop princess with Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. And then again, like we talked about before, you had your new metal stuff starting to, to pop off too. Uh, obviously corn and limp biscuit were the, the two big ones, but you had some lesser known ones there too, like Deftones and head PE that would kind of sneak in a POD, you know, POD was on there 
all the time too. Yeah, when POD um, broke, I think that was also 98, 99. You know, when they broke yeah. big, they were on there constantly. Yes, yes. Yep, now you were going to add something there. Okay, so I'll give you the Pop Princess thing, but the boy band was around for a while before. I mean, uh, Menudo and whatnot before that. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. sure. So it was around. But I will, uh, to your point about seeing new music genres come up, so I actually think that that TRL was pretty integral to what came in the you know mid uh, mid 2000s, late 2000s, early even, I don't know. But it was like right after the uh, the TRL, you know, that 2002-ish is when we started to see the evolution of emo because it turned, it came from Sunny Day Real Estate and um, Jimmy Eat World and whatnot and started to incorporate a bit more screaming. And I think that was heavily influenced by having access to, you know, new metal bands, you know, and seeing what they were doing. So musically, I think you're probably correct. But the, the interesting the interesting thing here with TRL specifically is just like back in the 80s when MTV first came into fruition, people were seeing what these people looked like. So it didn't really matter if Britney Spears was a little squeaky and a little, you know, pitchy. Because he danced around in knee socks and a right. plaid skirt. Right. Okay? So same thing to your point about the boy bands. Oh, yeah. I, I love – I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan. Well, obviously the Jackson 5. Right. Um, but then in the early 90s, late 80s, you had like Boys to Men and some, some other right. R&B groups. Right. But now you have five hip, cute white boys that can all dance together. It didn't even matter if they were great singers. They were good to look at. They were choreographed. And so I feel like TRL was one of the springboards for all these artists that I'm not saying you couldn't be popular and be kind of fugly looking. I mean, Corn and Limp Biscuit, you know, great examples. Those are not pretty dudes. Well, you know what's funny is Wes Borland specifically is actually a pretty handsome guy. But then he paints his face and wears weird contacts and bear suits. So, yeah. Go yeah. Figure. Which, have you seen Jonathan Davis lately? Still has his dreads and yep. missing some hair these days. Yeah, yeah. I saw I saw Corn on tour last year with Stained. And um, those dudes are old. Yeah. They are old. They yeah. threw down, but they are old. Oh, yeah. No, I don't know how their knees and backs are still allowing them to do what they do. But, yeah, yep. good go get it <laughs> but yeah so you know just like like i said back in the beginning of mtv you know like video killed the radio star you're right back to that same kind of mentality because there are much better vocalists than justin timberlake but justin timberlake can dance and he's pretty and that really helped i don't know that, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, justin that. timberlake Hold on, hold on. Let me, yeah. let me let me clarify. You I'm leave JT alone. No, no, no. I'm not talking about Justin Timberlake right now, you know, 2022, all that he's accomplished. I'm talking about 1999 when NSYNC first shows up and you've got five teenage boys there just singing and dancing. The appeal of NSYNC and LFO and 98 Degrees, Backstreet Boys, all them dudes was not, oh my God, I love this song. It was... Right. 
AJ is my favorite because he likes the color purple or, or whatever. Right. You know? right. All of a sudden, yeah. it was them as people and personalities to go along with the music. And I know a lot of girls that loved, you know, Baxter Boys, uh, NSYNC, LFO, 98 Degrees, whatnot, because of who they were and because of what they looked like. So I, I, this was like 20 minutes ago at this point. But when you bring up the emo thing, um, the emo bands and screamo bands, same thing. Fallout Boy, Good Charlotte, Absolutely. Blink-182. These were all bands that kind of got a, a, a kickstart from TRL. Right. And because, I mean, it, it sounds silly to say, but if you really go back and look, they were good-looking dudes. Like, I mean, especially like Pete Wentz from Fallout Boy. I mean, my God, he looked like a male model back in the day. Right. You know. Which is funny you say that they they got their push from their 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 kickstart, whatever, from uh TRL. I really wouldn't have put it together because by the time I don't know, I guess I was probably ninth, tenth grade, I just mm-hmm. stopped watching it altogether. I mean it was sure. and I wasn't aware of it anymore. So these people may have been on it, no idea. I'm pretty sure Blink One Eighty Two was. I think Blink One Eighty Two actually hit the scene when I was uh I don't know, eighth grade or so. Around the time I was watching TRL, yeah, and so you know, so I, when, I'm sure they they got theirs, even though they were a bunch of exactly. you know pudgy, dorky looking guys. But they, they still were. But at the same time, they had the big dicky shorts, they had the tight, oh, yeah. famous t-shirts, and the sideways, you know, trucker hats and stuff. They it was a look for sure. Yeah, they had the they had that style and that look. Um, and obviously, Travis Barker, he's going on to be this huge, you know, absolutely personality now. But they 100% got a, a boost from TRL, specifically Blink-182, because they actually sort of played up the whole TRL thing with with some of their music videos, like uh, yeah, specifically actually, all I, the small yeah, things. I do remember that. Okay. Right. So it, it's kind of funny how these things are kind of reciprocal, because back in the you know early 80s when MTV first hit the scene, you had to have a good music video. You had to look good. You had, you know... It wasn't just good enough to have a good song. You had to have all these other peripherals to go with it. And then TRL comes around. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's not good enough to just be a good singer. Nowadays, not so much. No disrespect to these people. I'm just saying, right. like, Lizzo, Nell, when she first came out, these are not your typical, quote-unquote, pop stars. Right. Like Megan Trainer. Um, Ed Sheeran, like these aren't people that you would necessarily be like, start fawning over as soon as you see them. But their songs were so good that they were able to kind of catapult past that. But right. the TRL was a little more old school in the fact that if you were cute, it helped. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, and that was a show where I think, I, I think that was when we actually started to see the humor side of some of our our celebrities and all. Because they would come on there, yeah. and we'd find out who was genuinely funny and who wasn't funny, you know. Right. And you know, and and of course, the the segments with the you know people in studio actually, you know, obviously got longer, you know. And then the videos, yeah. and as I've said, the videos got shorter. <laughs> so. Yeah, because like when I, like I said, when it first aired, it was Carson Daly in a dimly lit room going, "Hey, what's up? You're number yeah. nine, most requested song." It was almost like a radio show on TV. 
But as it gained in popularity, they were getting thousands of votes for all these songs. It was like, no, let's bring in a crowd. Let's have some some energy. And yeah, I I distinctly remember turning on the TV. I think this is about the time I, I quit watching it too, which would have probably been in the last you know three four years of its run. Be like, oh, I can't wait to see who's number one. And it's like number four is Nookie by Limp Bizkit, and it's like, oh. They showed literally 30 seconds of it. Right. And 12 seconds was this girl from Anaheim, California, screaming how much she likes the song. Yes. Like, what? So what's the point, you know? Yeah, that was when they started putting the, the people over top of it. That was I think that was actually when I I turned off. Oh, and by the way, there's also a bunch of people behind her screaming because they're out right, on the right. street outside of the TRL studio. I don't care what all those people think. I don't care what that girl right. thinks. The girl from Wyoming, shut up. <laughs> Let me listen to that bullshit that I was saying to my friends at school to that I don't like because I wanted to be cool. But at home, it was great. Because <laughs> <laughs> it started with just like little emails and, and yeah. stuff. Like, like a little like- pop-up on the screen. Yeah. yeah, and it was like, sure, that that doesn't, you know, really bother me at all, you know. It, it, again, I can't stress enough how friggin' weird it was for, for being a kid. Being a kid at this time was really interesting because, like you said, we might have said, all oh, that pop shit sucks, man. I like right. I like corn. I like the Deftones, whatever. But it was like, you were being presented with them at the exact same time you were being presented with the pop stuff and the, and the soft sappy stuff. And it was like, I, I don't, it's not even like that today with, mm. with the way the music industry works, not even a little bit. It was like, okay, sure. Backstreet boys was number two today and freak on a leash by corn was number one. And then tomorrow it's going to be the other way around. It was like, you were literally interchanging boy bands with new metal bands. And it was like unheard of. And to this day, I've never seen anything quite like it, you know, which I do want to stop and go back to something that you mentioned a couple of times. So we were just talking about, you know, what you would talk about with your friends at school about bands that you liked and that you wouldn't admit that you liked the, you know, the boy bands and stuff that would pop up. Yeah. And you have mentioned Deftones a couple of times. Deftones, sure. Deftones, I feel the same way as I do about Bob Dylan. I have several albums. Uh-huh. And I don't like them. I've gotten to the point in my life where I've just gone, I don't I don't like them. Around the Fur is okay. But okay. I, okay. I don't I thought, like Deftones. So not to get off on uh, you know D for Deftones here for a second, but No, I'm not gonna do a D is for Deftones because I don't like Deftones. <laughs> So Around the Fur by Deftones with Drive and My Own Summer and mm-hmm. Mascara and a couple other tracks. I love record. I think that's a great I think Adrenaline that came out before it is good but really raw. And I think the album after it, White Pony, is cool and kind of experimental. Everything after that, I think there's stuck up their own ass way too much Mm -hmm. and they forgot to write decent songs. I read in guitar world or, or one of those guitar magazines, they were asking about 
Stephen Carpenter, Deftones guitar player, um, what his practice regimen is. What, how, how does he, you know, stay on top of his skill? And he was like, I don't practice. Deftones music is so whatever that I don't really formally practice. I was like, shut up, dude. Like, come on. Like, seriously, yeah. you guys are a slightly above average new metal band. There was a lot of new metal bands from that era that should have gotten more popular. But again, at, at the time, Chino was a good looking dude. They had some hooks and they ended up getting a little bump from their music video. At the time um, is right. At the time he was, yes. yeah, he, his age has not, not treated not him well. So. But White Pony was their kid A and it didn't go over the same. So No, and, and I, it, I remember that change in the House of Flies. That was a TRL song. And oh, yeah. I remember being like, oh, I don't like this band. And I bought White Pony the day it came out because I loved around with her and was like, this doesn't sound like that. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that that's the one that kind of launched them. But and, and I I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, man, you should have heard the early stuff, you know, but I it's don't like, I don't feel like it's that way on Deftones. Just every album is so different. And, and a buddy of mine told me to listen to Diamond Eyes and, and the one with the owl on the cover. Yeah, fully it familiar. It's yeah. I would give it a solid C. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I would give other than Around the Fur, I would give almost every one of their albums a C minus to C plus range. Yeah. They're all kind of meh. Like, you know. Their parents got their report card and went. It could do better. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm glad you're passing, but we know your potential. You can do better. Yeah. So so now that uh we're we're done with uh D for Deftones or N for New Metal. So so basically at, at the height of, of TRL's popularity, they were averaging close to a million viewers a day. Yeah. Which is I believe it. Yeah, which is which is pretty, you know, substantial. Um, more so back then than today where a million different sources to get your entertainment through streaming and YouTube and all these other things. I mean, back then it was, you went home, you watched TV. You know? So, so TRL was just a Monday through Friday thing, right? Do we know? So they, they know? did different things for a while. It was just Monday through Thursday. Uh, when it got super popular, they did do Monday through Friday. I think they had a Saturday morning version sometimes, but yeah, it was, and when it first started, it was just 30 minutes long. Um, and then obviously they bumped it up to an hour. And I remember them trying to cram so much stuff oh, God, into yeah. an hour where, you know, they'd be pumping up this live performance all episode and cut it off within the first verse because it was it, an hour. We got to get to the real world. It, it's amazing. They gave the show more time, a bigger time slot. And cut the videos down. <laughs> Just yep. shrunk those videos down. So um, I was going to say that TRL, in 2006, TRL reached the uh, eighth anniversary. And it, at that time, it was the longest running live program that MTV had ever produced. It was the third longest running program of all time for the network uh, behind the real world, which had been on for 21 years. And 120 minutes, which was on for 17 years. Now, I have not watched a lot of MTV in the past 10, 15 years. I don't know if either one of those shows are still on. 
I, I can tell you confidently, I have not put MTV on in the last, I would also say 20 years longer than to say, ah, they're playing music tonight. That's new because I was Usually, so used to them not doing it. Before kids, you know, you're sitting around, you're trying to find something to watch for a little bit. And uh, a Rob Deerdeck production would be on, whether yeah. it was Ridiculousness or Robin Big or whatever. And you kind of like, I can turn my brain off and watch this for 45 minutes, you right. know. But yeah, outside of that, and I used to like um, some of their quote unquote reality stuff, like never got real into like real world and road rules and stuff like that. Nah. But um, the first, the first couple seasons of real world I liked, but it was also a time where I was a young dreaming man or boy sure. and sure. I would see them and be like, that place is cool. I want to live there. And then right. as an adult, like I've actually gotten you know a hold of a couple bits of it i was like those people are idiots and and too so when carson daly stepped down um when did he step down oh uh let me see he stepped down as host in 2003 okay um and after that i distinctly remember at least one or two of these people uh they ended up sort of having a revolving door of hosts and uh, a lot of their popular people from like the real world and road rules and stuff would host for a couple episodes or months or whatever. Did um, they do like a reality show thing for who was going to be the host at one point? I feel like that was a thing that I remember. I might just be probably. making the whole thing up. I, yeah. I mean, it would not shock me. You can look it up if you want to, but it might be a waste of your time. I, the only one that I really remember was a dude named Jesse something from a real world episode. He was I, like almost seven feet tall and wore like 70s style bell bottoms and stuff. And he was like the rock guy on real world. So I remember thinking he was kind of cool back in the two thousands or whatever. No um, idea. No idea. He hosted for a little while, but yeah. So September 15th, 2008 was their very last regular weekday episode. Um, uh, excuse me. September 15, 2008 was when they announced they were going to cancel the show. November 13th was the final aired weekday episode. It was hosted by Seth Green, of all people. Oh. And the All American Rejects were there, like almost as a joke. They were like tearing down the set in between songs, stuff like that. But that was their final, like, regular episode. So, like, I understand the years that you just gave me, but like placing all American rejects in the history for me, it's like, okay, I, I, I can put together that time period. That's another one of those bands that, Hey, were they on the scene already? Were they already making records? Sure. Did they get a little boost into the mainstream? Thanks to TRL. 100%. Oh yeah. I'm sure. You know, I saw Amer all American rejects, at Warp Tour in year, and they were on a small side stage. And yeah. I think it was the next year I saw them, and they were on the main stage. So it, it was for, about that time. I can't be certain for sure, but it was about that time. So, or yeah. for worse, if you want to call them sellouts or whatever, I, I mean, I think it's just you take, as a musician, you take every opportunity you can. And if you can get your music video on TRL sandwiched in between, in sync and Christina Aguilera, 
thousands of people are going to know who you are that may not have discovered you any other way. Or as we learn, one million people per episode. But, yeah. you know, my whole idea of selling out and uh, to, you know, piggyback on your joke from earlier, this is not Esther sells out, but I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I have to think that, you know, like you said, as a musician, if you have a chance to get a music video on there, great. You're not sacrificing your, you know, your standards, your beliefs. You're no. not, you're not taking money for something you don't believe in. Like, for instance, I actually, when I saw Henry Rollins speak live, he was talking about it and he was like, you know, I was approached by cool cigarettes to do a tour. I don't agree with smoking, so I didn't go do it. A lot of my friends did. I don't judge them at all for it, but I couldn't do it because that would be the definition of selling out. And then he followed it up by saying, if you watch any Buick commercial in the last, I don't know how many years, he's like, you'll hear my voice because I'm the official voiceover for, I believe it was Buick. Yeah, I think I don't know. I, would I go think I've heard him give that anecdote before. Yeah, it, but he's like, I like the people, I like the car, I got one, so that was cool. But you know, he's like, I don't, I don't see that as selling out because I have nothing against no the car. Way I would endorse cool cigarettes. They are harmful to your body. Now, let me tell you about Anheuser Busch. This is really good for you. It's healthy. Okay. I need you to rethink that statement of <sighs> it. Anheuser-Busch, it's really good. For, for the record, for the people you know listening, I'm sitting here drinking a Miller High Life, okay? So let's, a Budweiser would be like several steps up. Hey, <laughs> I like High Life, okay? I'm just going to say it. Not looking so, for a sponsorship from, from Miller but, with High Life, but I'm, I like your product. Let's put it that way. H for High Life. Um, okay, so November 16th, 2008 three hour going away special let me read to you the guests that they had to really put into perspective when i say this was the wild wild west and how unbelievably diverse this all was just listen to this list of artists that were either there to perform or to hang out or to talk or whatever okay just stopping by just yeah Ludacris, Snoop Dogg, Nelly, Beyonce, 50 Cent, Fall Out Boy, Backstreet Boys, Kid Rock, Daisy Chavez, Christina Aguilera, Travis Barker, Taylor Swift, Hilary Duff, Eminem, and Jonathan Davis from Korn. Okay, so I feel like a lot of those people were probably, you know, Hey, we were on TRL before when it was a big thing. We're going to stop by on the last episode. Who is JC Chavez? Uh, he was in uh, Insane. All right. All right. Cool. So I think maybe they were just stopping by to, you know, bid farewell. But it's, I feel like it's less Wild West and more of the kitchen sink. Just everything goes. Just every, like, we're going to throw all these people in, stir it up, see what happens. And it was a three hour turd. Well, well, so you got to think, so at this time, especially in the, the early 2000s, you had all the emerging new artists like Britney Spears and Limp Bizkit and whatever. But you did have seasoned veterans who were releasing new material. Yeah. Mariah Carey, Snoop Dogg, Dre. And so this was a platform for them to promote their new material. Hot take. 
when Ooh. Mariah Carey was producing or making the uh, Music Box follow-up. Mm-hmm. You know, Music Box was her big one. She was so burnt out on the industry across the board. She actually wrote and produced and put together an all-female grunge band and put out an album with them. Do you know the name of this band? No. I I like I tried to find them and I found one song of theirs. It was terrible. Didn't listen to more than 20 seconds of it and that's why it didn't stick in my head. But I know that Mariah Carey wrote all the music and produced an album for this random all-female grunge band. So not to get way super off topic, but to go along with that, are you familiar with the um, Jada Pinkett Smith band? No. Wicked Wisdom? No, I'm not. So back in the early 2000s, around this same time, Will and Jada Pinkett, Will Smith, husband of Jada Pinkett Smith, yeah. were big fans of the band Barrier Dead. And there's actually, you can find this on YouTube, Will Smith and Jada on stage with them, getting the crowd fired up for Barrier Dead. Um, huh. and, and Jada Pinkett Smith put out a pretty rockin' new metal record with a band called Wicked Wisdom. Huh. They did a they did a stint on Ozfest. Um, it's not great, but from everything that I've seen, she was legitimate. She wasn't trying to jump on the new metal trend. She wasn't trying to whatever. She was pissed off and wanted to make a metal record. Um, so if you get a chance, check that out. It's it's actually kind of cool. <laughs> okay, so the band that the grunge band that Mariah Carey did was uh, Chick. The name of the band, Chick. Chick. Yeah, okay. they suck, but Chick. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So. I feel like we've talked a lot about a bunch of different stuff here. I, I, I didn't get to tell my story, though. Oh, right. I'm sorry. Your, your call-in story. All right. Okay. So there was that one where I called in and requested Down by three. Not the, the target for the show, I guess. What, what year did Down come out? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Moving right. on. So, but to your point about liking certain music and not admitting to it and, and whatever... I distinctly remember one of my best friends, older sisters. Uh, I traded my third eye blind blue for her. Uh, Oops, I did it again. Britney Spears album. <laughs> There's judgment happening. But for the record, I mean, you go back. Never been a third eye blind both. fan, so I, yeah. Let's table that for another day. Yeah, never, never been a third album. I, I don't dislike them. I don't like them. Their first album, their self-titled album, is perfection. Every song is great. The way I feel about Third Eye Blind is similar to how I've heard uh, people who were teenagers when Peter Frampton, you know, went big. You liked him because the girls liked him. No, 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 no. Third Eye Blind's first record, every song on that record is good. Okay. And it, I feel like I, I feel like it, it plays up. like gravy on a turntable, but go on. Okay, okay. That's yeah. uh it it's fine. Here's the thing. That's the cool thing about being friends. You can have different personalities <laughs> and, and, and different opinions. One person can think Third Eye Blind is their first record is great. Your friend can be absolutely wrong and pile of shit. So it's fine. That's fine. You are entitled to have your incorrect opinion. 
Incorrect, correct. Who's to say? Me. Go on. Fair enough. So I found this list, and I I sort of did some digging, and I can't verify that this is 1,000% accurate. But according to ScreenRant.com, they're a reputable source. Yeah, um, I would I would believe what they tell me. Okay. Do you want to hear the TRL top 10 of all time? Sure. Okay. Some of these will probably not surprise you. There are, I will say there are one or two omissions that I'm surprised did not make the list. Um, going back to my new metal stuff, I am surprised that Freak on a Leash, like yeah. Corn, was yeah. not on here because it was a heavy hitter. It was a in heavy was. rotation. It was. Also, uh, there's one or two on here that for as many years as I watched it, I don't even remember seeing this video. So maybe I'm missing out on something or whatever, but, but we'll, we'll get there. Number 10, Kelly Clarkson, Since You've Been Gone. Okay. Absolute banger of a song. I used to be in a screamo emo band and we used to cover it and everybody loved it. Okay, fair enough. It was uh, number one six times. Number nine is Hey Ya by Outcast. Okay. I like it. I, like, I can't I, believe it's that old. It is. It is. Yeah. That old. It, I've had a couple of realizations with songs and things recently as well. And it made me sad. So. Number eight, the uh, pop princess herself, Britney Spears with baby one more time. It's that far down. Yeah. yeah Cause that's another one that I would think would be up there. But you know, I think her thing was she had several that sort of floated in and out in the top three, five, you know, but baby, one more time uh, came out at, at just the right time. Did uh, it? It made me feel things. It. I want to say it like it did not, but it also very much did. It came out in some some rather important years. It did. It did. Wow. Moving on, number seven, Justin Timberlake's "Cry Me a River." Okay, I didn't realize it was that old. Honestly, yeah. So, if you have never seen this video, I would highly recommend you checking it out. I love uh, it. I love the my, video. I love it. My brother, who listens to pretty much nothing but like Pantera and Five Finger Death Punch, was like, you seen the new Justin Timberlake video? <laughs> that shit is art. <laughs> it is beautiful. Well, that was, that was, when, that was when Mr. Timberlake went off on his own and yes. you were like, holy shit, this guy has got something. Exactly, exactly. So this is the one that kind of, correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, number six was Eminem, Like Toy Soldiers. I mean, I remember the song. I remember when it came out, really? but I don't remember it being on there. That was after I stopped watching, so yeah, okay. Yeah, I so I was uh, Slim Shady LP, Marshall Mathers LP. Those were the two mm-hmm. I really liked, and I didn't love much after that. So I'm assuming this came on. But this was apparently number one 25 times. Okay. Somebody liked it. Um, yeah. Number five, The Anthem, A Good Charlotte. Oh, God, I forgot about that song. <laughs> I forgot it's, about it. I was I never a good like Charlotte fan. Uh, so I liked, I kind of liked a couple songs here or there. I kind of thought they were a little bit of like the posers because they were yeah. playing like pop punk, but they all wore 
goth clothes and guy yeah. liner. But the anthem was catchy. I give him that. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, number four, Usher, featuring Little John and Ludacris with Yeah. Yeah. It was number one 30 times. Mm-hmm. Number three was In Sync with Bye Bye Bye. Okay. That's banger of a classic. I wouldn't say banger, but you know. All right. If you yeah. want to pretend like you're too cool to like In Sync, whatever. No, no. No, not not trying to pretend it's I'm too cool. I mean, it's a catchy song. Um, I'm not gonna say I've never done the hand across, you know, oh, the yeah. front. I'm oh, yes. not gonna say I've never done it, but I've, okay, I've done it. Yeah, it, it's a catchy song. I wouldn't say a banger though. So number two, yeah, number one, both Backstreet Boys. Not surprising. Go on. Number two, Larger Than Life, which. Every time I hear that song, all I can think about is Napoleon Dynamite, because that's the one that uh, Haley Duff does her little dance to with the Happy Hands Club. I don't remember that song. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. Napoleon Dynamite is fantastic. No, Napoleon Dynamite. Okay, Napoleon Dynamite was fantastic when it came (laughs) out at that time period. I watched it about two years ago. Stop. It did not not hit the same. It did not. I still love it. I... You can love it. It's fine. I mean, I understand that people, you know, liked it. I loved it when it first came out. I it did not quite hit the same. I've just it fell very flat. It's one of those movies that I know it's not great, but every time I watch it, I'm like transported to a simpler time in life and it's just like a feel good kind of thing. I still remember sitting on the couch watching it. At my parents' house, and the way our house was set up was like if you were in the kitchen, you could see the living room and you could see the TV. Yeah. And I remember sitting on the couch in the living room watching it. My dad was in the kitchen, and he kept hearing me laugh. And it was pissing him off because he was like, what are you laughing at? This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Why are you laughing? And it just made it funnier. Like I, I just loved it. I got the movie for Christmas the year it came out. My parents went and got it. Uh-huh. and. And we were going somewhere that day. I can't remember. My dad wasn't coming with us, but he was like, so what's this, uh, what's this Napoleon Dynamite movie? I was like, you're going to love it. It's great. I gave it to him and we came back. He was like, that was the saddest shit I've ever seen. Yep. 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 Dads, dads did not get it. But number one was Shape of My Heart by Backstreet Boys. Uh, it was number one over 50. I I'm not even not gonna try. Gonna not even gonna try to not be cool or be cool on that one. I I I don't like or remember that song. I remember oh. it. I can hear it in my head. But I like upbeat, dancey stuff. So bye 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 was way more my jam. Shape of my heart for sure. Yeah. And again, talking about being too cool for some of this stuff. When I was in eighth grade, my mom took me and one of my best friends. To see Britney Spears with LFO at the Greensboro Coliseum. Oh, oh my. With LFO. Yes. The light funky ones. Oh, yeah. Is what oh, that yeah. stands for. Yeah. I remember my ears were ringing so bad because it was so loud. Mm-hmm. I believe it. It had nothing to do with who was on stage. Oh, yeah. It had to do with the screaming teenagers surrounding me. Mm-hmm. I have seen McCorn. I have seen hundred. I've seen Slipknot, Iron Maiden. I have seen tons of metal bands. 
And when I tell you my ears hurt more after Britney Spears, I I mean it. Oh, I 100% believe it. That whole thing with the way that girls responded to it was just a rekindling of like Beatlemania and whatnot. And it was actually, I believe it was the, it wasn't Shay State. I know Shay stated they couldn't hear themselves playing. So they would actually turn their, right. their amps and stuff around. That was actually where the modernization of the monitor comes from. Right. Yeah. I, I 100% believe that, um, you know, Places are set up for music, for sound to come from the stage or the speakers, <laughs> not to come from behind. But the whole being too cool thing. So um, about a year ago or so, uh, the girlfriend and I went to go see um, Coheed and Cambria and the Used. And uh-huh. it was, you know, it was a whole crowd of people in their mid to late 30s. And everybody was hanging out. Good time. Well, they were playing you know, music over the uh, the speakers while between setup and stuff. And they went into a solid block of boy bands and sure. every single person was singing, nodding along, dancing. I mean, it was just one of those things where I looked around and I looked at her and she went, yeah, nobody's too cool for this anymore. Like we're, we all nope. liked it. And I was like, yeah, we, we did, you know, we did, but here we are. So, in our mid to late thirties. And and what's kind of crazy is over the years, um, Sarah and I have gone to see Beyonce. We've seen Miley Cyrus. We've seen Rihanna. Uh, we've seen, we, we actually saw Britney Spears again. Um, Lady Gaga. And these are some incredible comments. Like Mm -hmm. again, where's the money? They're in the big pop stars, you Mm -hmm. know, so they have these huge theatrical shows and fantastic. Um, just to wrap up a little bit here, I think it's really kind of cool that for about there was a there was a period of time there for about ten years where the biggest names in pop music were also being launched at the same time as weird alternative rap metal bands and stuff. And I mean, there was this whole thing about Fred Durst and Christina Aguilera and, and beef between Eminem and Limp Bizkit and, and all this stuff that was going on that like now with YouTube, a music video is nothing. It's just it's just something that every band has that they right. put out over the weekend. Um, and then with social media, there's no nuance. There's no mystery. Everybody knows what you do every day of your life. Yeah. So. TRL was this really cool little slice of life there for a few years that if you're too young, you're not going to get it. If you're too old, you you thought it was dumb. But if you're in our demographic that, you know, graduating high school in 2002, 2004, 2006, this was a pretty big deal. It was. It absolutely was. So, that's really about it. Uh, I know we didn't get into a ton of history about it, but I think we had a really cool conversation about music in general. If you, if you want to know more, check it out. I'm sure you can find like a lot of, you know, clips and stuff on YouTube that are probably really, really kind of cool seeing, you know, like I said, Backstreet Boys one day and then three day, three days later, you got corn in there. Um, yeah. Uh, that's it for T is for total request live. Danger, do you have anything you'd like to bestow on the people? 
Okay, so take it from a guy in, in his uh, his late 30s and uh, just a few months away from stepping further into his late 30s, that when you are in high school, the things that you thought were cool really actually were, but in your age group. And then when you get to your late 30s, you go, everybody else thought it was cool. Now I could say it is. And if you don't like something, when you're younger and you think you have to say you like it, like Deftones and Bob Dylan both suck. I don't like them. Bob Dylan was shit live. Just terrible. Willie Nelson kicked his ass. But say what you like, say what you don't like, and don't get caught up in all that mess. Otherwise, you end up with at least seven albums in your collection that you don't care about. But you're too attached to your albums to get rid of. Hell, albums aren't a thing anymore. So what am I talking about? Got seven playlists on Spotify that I'm not attached to anymore. Yeah, actually, I went through and actually I got rid of a three playlists of stuff on Spotify that I just don't listen to anymore. Nice. So, nice. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. Yeah. Lovely evening. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye.